0: On today's episode, Callis Robinette, who covers Kansas State for the Kansas City Star and the Wichita Eagle, calls in from Manhattan. We talk football, men's basketball. How about some tailgating and summer beer choices for you as well? This is Sports Beat KC, a sports podcast presented by the Kansas City Star, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. talk to Kellos. let's hear from Kansas State Coach Chris Kleiman
1: who did impress you most during the spring Uh, Joaquin Gill really jumped out at me I thought he was an exceptional
0: player that made plays an awful lot Um, I think Dalton Schoen runs exceptionally good routes and he's got great hands and does some really good things and I know that um, Skyler trusts him Um, you know those two jumped out at me I, I think you know, Landry Webber's got a chance. Sebastian's got a chance. Uh, we've got some guys that, uh, you know, Malik was was banged up a lot. Philip was banged up a lot. So some of those guys that uh, people know about didn't we didn't get a great opportunity to see uh, enough of. Kellis Robinette, the Kansas State beat writer for the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle, joins us. Kellis, uh, this is the time of year that coaches and athletic officials tour the state for meet-and-greets and and autographs and all sorts of things. And before I ask you about that, I'm just going to read the list of where Kansas State coaches have been since May 20th. I'm going to try to do this quickly because it's long. Here we go. Dodge City, Garden City, Liberal and Scott City on the same day, Colby, Hayes, Lawrence, Wichita, Ark City, Independence on the same day. Another doubleheader, Seneca and Kansas City, Beloit and Belleville on the same day. Emporia, Salina, Topeka, Marysville—not to be confused with Maryville in missouri Hutchison, Great Bend, and then it wraps up on June 28th with a doubleheader: Manhattan and Wellington. Kellis, you were in a couple—you went to a couple of those events. Just first of all, tell us what the Cat Backers Tour is about.
1: Yeah, it's basically. I mean, you summed it up pretty good there. It's just an extra chance for Kansas State fans across the state to get to know coaches and administrators and athletes on a more personal level. Um, you know, uh, older folks can drink a glass of wine or uh, have a beer with with them, when younger folks can uh, drink soda and listen to them talk about the achievements from the last year and look ahead to. The upcoming season, so it's it's always a, a good time. And yeah, I've been out to uh, Kansas City and Wichita, and oh, I'd, I'd like to get to even more places, but my schedule doesn't really allow anything else this summer. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll be good with the the visits we've already made, I guess.
0: All right, so we'll make sure to uh, make sure you get to Beloit next year. Hey, um, so do, does like Chris Kleiman and Bruce Weber, Do they do they attend all of these, or do they p- pick select ones?
1: Not everyone. Um, Chris Kleiman has been going to more than usual this year just because he's new and he's trying to get out in front of people. I, I asked him if he was starting to get worn out from it a little bit uh, last week, and he said yes. The, the doubleheaders, like you mentioned, the, the ones where you have to be in you know, Emporia and Wellington in the same day, uh, he said that was getting a, a little exhausting. Um, and then typically the head football coach, the head basketball coach will rotate uh, they'll just, you know, they'll split it up. One will go here, one will go there, so it doesn't get too rough for them. But they've, I, at, at every major stop, I'm pretty sure uh, the new football coach has been there, and they've had at least somebody uh, from from the basketball team there, too, talking to people. Well, cool. th-
0: this happens. A lot of schools do this. I, I don't know of anybody, of any school that has a schedule as extensive as Kansas State. So a salute to, to the Wildcats.
1: Yeah, they've, they've got their very own bus, and they uh, they wrap it in Kansas State letters and uh, there was even one year where they put a whole bunch of pictures of athletes and coaches on it and stuff so it's it's unmistakable if you see it driving down the road uh you know it's headed toward the next capbacker event very,
0: very good okay so let's let's dive in on some of the things that you learned on on a couple of the visits let's start with with football and uh i think it was in the at the overland park stop with chris Kleiman. and there was i think there was a day where there was a, another uh football recruit announced or you found out about another commitment an in state kid and and so the topic kind of turned to the importance of the in state kids i mean that's a, that's an old topic every coach will tell you that but it's it's especially meaningful for chris Kleiman now just because he's the new coach right and he's he really needs to emphasize the recruiting in the state of kansas something that Bill Snyder mastered in his uh, three decades as the Wildcats coach. What did what did Chris say about uh, about recruiting in-state?
1: Yeah, it's something he wants to do um, a better job of. Um, it seems like he's really super supremely motivated to recruit Kansas City. Um, he already has uh, Nate Matlack there wrapped up. He's from uh, the Olathe area, and he just got another commitment from Taylor Warner, from from Gardner right outside Kansas City. Um, it seems like every day they offer somebody new from the Kansas City area. Some of his best players at North Dakota State came from there. So I, I think he's taking a lot of pride in continuing that and building on the connections he has in Kansas City. And he wants that to be, if not the number one recruiting ground for him, one of the most important ones. But overall, just the state of Kansas is important because, um, you know, you mentioned Bill Snyder did a good job of it for at times during his career. Um, you look back, you had Terrence Newman and Darren Sproles and Jordy Nelson and some of the greatest Kansas players to um, ever come through the state, played, played at Kansas State. Really not the case the last couple years. He, he's done a good job getting players from Kansas to play here, but a lot of them were... Uh, walk- on who turned into really good players it seemed like for the last 10 years or so the best uh, at least highest rated recruits in the state were leaving uh, for a stretch there the only time the only way they were getting the best guys like Chris Harper and Arthur Brown were through transfers so he would really like to change that a little bit and if there is a guy who uh, say you know an SEC school or Nebraska or whoever else is targeting he would very much like to get back to the point where staying home is a more attractive option for these kids than leaving the state. And and right now is a good time to be uh, proactive in in-state recruiting. Like you said, every coach is going to say it. Nobody's going to come in and say, you know what, we don't really care at all about in-state recruiting. We'll just let other people come in and pill for our players. Um, but there there is an uptick in recruiting in Kansas right now. There's uh, a more Talent, I feel, than usual on hand in the state. So, if you're gonna if you're gonna start trying to get more Sunflower State players, now is definitely the time to do it.
0: The other thing I think about when we we address this topic, Kellis, is at the time in um, when Bill Snyder wasn't there, the three years that he was not at Kansas State, when Mark Mangino had it up and running at Kansas, and Kansas was doing a really good job of getting in-state kids at that time. Jake Sharp, the running back, and you know Meyer, the, the the wide receiver, and it was it was Kansas that was getting the, the some of the top in state kids at the time. And look, Bill Snyder, one of his maybe his first emphasis as the as the Wildcats coach was to be better than Kansas, and he was almost every year he was there. And that starts with making sure that the the top players in the state of Kansas, including you know the, both sides of the metro area, the state line in Kansas City. End up being K State Wildcats, so I, I think that also is a um, is a component to this that staying ahead of Kansas and beating the Jayhawks on the recruiting trail in the state is a is, is going to be an emphasis for for climbing.
1: Yeah, for sure, and it's uh, kind of the wild wild west right now for for people in the state because you got Kleiman coming in new and Les Miles coming in new. They're both trying to one up the other, so there's a little bit more attention. Uh, from both of those guys across the state, they're all trying to make a good impression on players and coaches, and you want to make the best first impression possible.
0: I imagine one of the topics that uh, that, that Kleiman is getting on his stops is what's going to become of the wide receiver position, with the Isaiah Zubert uh, uh, announcement that he's transferring, and, and 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 rising the suspension to the for the talented freshman who's in. We we still don't know what his eligibility status is, is going to be. So what uh, what's What's the status of of wide receiver right now, Kellis? If the season were to open today, would would the Wildcats be in trouble at that position? What do they got going there?
1: I don't know if trouble would be the right word for it. Um, I would say, though, that things have gotten much more cloudy than they were a month ago. Coming out of spring ball, everybody was just raving about the receiver position, mainly because Hunter Ryzen looked really good. Uh, People said he might be the best offensive weapon on the team coming out of spring practice. And then Isaiah Zuber, even though he didn't play, he was recovering from hip surgery, put up the best numbers of anybody last season. So the thought was you pair those two guys together as your outside receivers and bring along some other guys for depth who, who we know about. And the position looks not only good at the top, but pretty deep and best overall position on the roster potentially. Now you take those two guys away. And, you know, now you're looking at Dalton Schoen, maybe being the number one receiver, even though he's been a solid guy and a, a very good team leader. He's not exactly the type of player you look at and say, boy, I really love that he's uh, the best receiver on this Big Joe football team. Um, good, after that, good, there's a— Good possession this, uh, guy, though,
0: right? I mean, good, good oh, possession great. receiver, for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. Good, good possession guy, knows how to get open. He doesn't drop passes. He, I mean, he, he's had um, big moments for K-State, for sure. I'm not saying trying to make it out like he's uh, not any good or anything. He is good, but he's definitely not Tyler Lockett— or the typical you know Good game mold maker, of a too. yeah never one receiver um some other guys might have that potential uh Joaquin gill is somebody that that they like during spring practices um he's kind of the opposite of dalton Schoen, maybe a little bit uh shakier with his hands um doesn't always get open but when he does he gets open and he, and he gets open deep for big plays so he could be a playmaker uh, malik knowles is a redshirt freshman who we saw playing four games last season and honestly uh, from when I saw him last year, I I'm, I'm, was curious why they didn't just go ahead and play him all year. I thought he was one of their best receivers last year. So those three guys, and then you could throw in Phillip Brooks, um, Langi Weber, and some incoming freshmen. I think they're going to try to get all of them out there and see see who does the best job. Um, I guess if there is a position where you were going to lose two potential starters on this team, that's probably it. That's about the only one where they had enough numbers where you could really weather it and still think, okay, we're we're not uh, crushed there. But yeah, the the high end talent there is taking a little bit of a dip.
0: Could that be a position group where we see some some freshmen uh, involved? You you quoted Kleiman, uh from one of the the Catbacker stops saying that look, we get. Um, it, we're going to play freshmen if they're if they're ready to go. We're going to play them, and I'm not saying that's a departure from the previous regime, but it just seemed like there may be a more of an emphasis on it now. With maybe out of necessity, but it could be a philosophical thing as well.
1: Yeah, I definitely think you're going to see at least one freshman receiver out there. I think you're going to see a lot of freshmen all over the place. Um, but the the guy everybody wants to see is Joshua Youngblood, a receiver from Tampa they got kind of at the last minute he actually had some pretty he actually had a pretty good offer sheet um just for for whatever reason was still available uh chris Kleiman came in after he got the job and convinced him to to come in and, and play here he's really fast um and, and is the type of guy who could come in and maybe make some big plays i think they'll get him involved there and at running back maybe a little bit try to get him the ball in some creative ways but um, they're going to do the same thing at running back. They've got a lot of freshmen coming in there. They're going to play linebacker. I, I think his philosophy, Chris Kleiman's philosophy, is um, it, if they're healthy and ready to contribute, might as well just get them out there, even if it's just on special teams, get them the experience, uh, boost our roster as much as we can. So I think we're going to see more freshmen than ever play next season.
0: Okay. And as we transition into into basketball, uh, I'm, I'm curious about some some new names there. We are all... You know, we we got the word of Xavier Sneed pulling his name out of uh, you know off the draft list and rejoining the Wildcats for next season, along with uh, uh, Jada and some um, uh, some other veterans. I I, I like the I, I like the foundation for Kansas State basketball next year, but I'm also intrigued by some new names and uh, uh, DeWan Gordon. Am I pronouncing that? Am I pronouncing that? Is that how he pronounce?s It? Uh,
1: I, I think I think it's a hard a hard J. Dijuan. Dijuan,
0: Gordon. Thank you. Um, so he he appears to me uh, maybe to be the the cream of the crop the cream of the crop when it comes to the the incoming uh, talent here. I, I see him as a possible starter.
1: I do too. Um, I think uh, I agree with you. I. I know this is kind of a bold thing to say, not having him seen him play live or anything like that, but just based on the year he had and the recruiting attention he got, I, I think he could end up being, or at least has the potential to be, uh, one of the very best players Bruce Weber assigned at Kansas State. Um, he was so good in Chicago last season that the Chicago Sun Times named him City Player of the Year, um, which is quite an honor uh, in that area. And honestly, he's the kind of player. Bruce Weber would have loved to get at Illinois um, when they were doing really good there. So for him to, to get a player like that here at Kansas State, um, who had a really good senior year, and he's now he's now a four-star recruit in the top 100 for, for rivals uh, in their latest recruiting rankings. Uh, he, he looks like a guy who can come in and, and help in a lot of ways. Good on defense, good on offense. Uh, his surge as a high school senior really reminds me of Marcus Foster when he came in as a freshman and you know kansas state coaches were quietly uh very optimistic about what he could do but maybe people on the on the outside didn't really realize how good he was um well uh, hopefully he has a little bit better head on his shoulders uh and and can handle some success earlier but i think he has the kind of potential to be that kind of impact player right away um but I, i think all the new guys will get a chance to contribute we heard Chris Lowry say last week that basically the way the roster is set up, they're going to have no choice but to play uh, two freshmen at, uh, at power forward, Montavious Murphy and Antonio Gordon, and basically just let them split the position. So you're going to see a whole lot of those guys as freshmen. And then the other, I guess, wild card is David Sloan, the JUCO guy they got, who is another person the coaches are really quietly um, pumped about, he he had a really really good offer sheet coming out of high school, uh, former top 100 recruit. He's from Louisville. Uh, Rick patino when he coached there, wanted to play for Louisville. So that kind of shows you that there were other coaches out there that thought he would be really good. But because of some transcript issues, ended up at junior college, and now he's uh, getting a second chance at Kansas State. So if if he is, can get that mojo back and maybe be as good as advertised, this could be one of their better recruiting classes.
0: Very good. Okay, Kellis, listen, I'm a a um constant reader of your Q&As that you uh that you put out there. Those are really well done, and in fact, we will uh will link to this in the in the show notes, but um uh, I always enjoy getting through your your uh answers about uh, from from Kansas State fans about football and basketball and whatnot, but I especially enjoy the questions you get about, um, like say, uh, tailgating breakfast food for the 11 a.m. kickoffs, <laughs> and uh, and and I gotta I gotta wonder why you dismissed the uh, the bacon and eggs and pancakes um, and went straight to the the breakfast taco.
1: Uh, that is a uh, man. You're you're grilling me on this. I didn't expect. Well, you're that. not
0: grilling, and that's the I think that's the point here. <laughs> it's almost like you want the prepared the prepared uh, tacos, breakfast tacos. You don't want to do any grilling in the in the parking lot.
1: Uh, well, you kind of need the griddle if you're going to do all that stuff. Um, I suppose if, you're, uh, if you own a griddle, a portable griddle that you can set up and use propane on in the parking lot, then yeah, I guess you could uh, go ahead and do that. But the pancakes to me is just such, such a mess. I, uh, I tried to make pancakes for my wife on Mother's Day a few weeks ago and it, that just was a fiasco the the pancakes turned out okay but it took so long to clean up and everything i i can't really envision doing that in a parking lot before a football game so i tried to tried to stick uh to to some easier things like meat and eggs and tortillas uh and maybe some cheese if you can keep it cold so that that's that's the way i was thinking right there get a little man plus you can get a little bit more protein in that way than just the pancakes. there you go she,
0: she didn't clean up the mess did she
1: uh no i did okay, but okay. The, the the mess was so big she questioned that i uh, wouldn't be able to clean it up the, the whole
0: enterprise was came into question huh
1: she, uh yes, it was yes uh it, there were many complaints before the food was even served so uh, i'm I'm kind of uh anti pancakes at the moment,
0: <laughs> okay, so this runs a little deeper than i i'm sorry i uh I picked a scab there that's it uh, you're you're wounded i I can tell so um, all right, Kellis. Uh, I got one more for you. So if I had to, if I had to uh, submit a Q and I would have asked you about summer beers. Do you do you down, Ooh, okay. do you downshift from the you know from the winter and and uh, you know the cold weather beers to to the summer beers? Or are you just kind of the same beer guy year round?
1: No, my my beer tastes uh, shift with the season rather prominently. If it's uh, even a hint of fall in the air. I'm looking for Oktoberfest. If uh, you know, it's if it's getting starting to get cold outside. I'm looking for more IPAs and winter stuff. But and then once once the sun comes out and it gets warm again, I'll start looking for some beers that are more lower in ABV. Um, some stuff you can you know drink more of than just one. Um, so yeah, right now in my fridge I've got some—I uh, guess you can call them summer beers. I got uh, right now I'm leaning toward the uh, the Mexican lagers. I've been on that kind of kick lately. Um, and uh, also, if uh, anyone who makes a like a fruity IPA, if you put a little grapefruit in there, uh, I'm a sucker for that stuff. Uh, Boulevard, their tropical ale is pretty good. Uh, that's an example. And um, the other thing I like doing is a Manhattan special pineapple beer. Um, you take basically take basically any light beer you got around the house that doesn't taste very good. Mix in some pineapple juice with it, or if you're feeling really uh, really bold, you can put some uh, coconut rum in there too. Make it taste like a piña colada. That's with a Bush Light. Yeah, you could do it with a Bush Light here in uh, here in Manhattan. Their specialty is doing it with uh, with Milwaukee's best or Old Milwaukee, I should say, Old Milwaukee. Okay. Well, then, you, you, yeah, you order old Milwaukee, you mix in pineapple juice, and then you can maybe throw in some uh, some hard some hard booze on top of it. It tastes really good. It's uh, it's the best way I've seen anyone go about making light beer taste better.
0: Okay, so if if a um, you know if a brewery or uh, you know, just a local beer establishment needed uh, needed someone to um, you know to test a little bit, would you would you be willing to to help out there? Or?
1: I, I am always available for beer tastings.
0: Sounds yes. good.
1: You, you can you can come on out and help me.
0: <laughs> I would do that. All right, Kellis. Hey, thanks for the uh, thanks for the info, and we'll talk to you again soon.
1: All right, Blair. Always a pleasure.
0: Links to the stories we discussed can be found in the show notes and on kansascity.com and kansas.com. Thanks to Kathy Lou and Leah Becerra for producing this episode. This has been sports Beat KC, a sports podcast presented by the Kansas City Star, and we'll be back soon to talk Kansas City sports.